Welcome. Good morning. Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Eyes Wide Open podcast. I'm Ann Hambly, the host, and I'm very, very honored to have with me today um, Bob Stout, who is president and CEO of Q10 and actually a dear friend of mine. We have known each other. We, we were joking earlier, but we've known each other for a long, long, long time in this industry. We won't disclose how long, right? But <laughs> been around together, really enjoy working with you, and I love what you've done uh, at Q10. And why don't I let you start out, Bob, by explaining what Q10 is all about and what your focus is and so on. And then we'll get into some some questions that I think the listeners would want to hear about from your view today. Sure. Well, thanks, Anne. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on the podcast with you. So uh, Q10 Capital is a kind of a unique organization. We are a group of independently owned commercial mortgage banking firms uh, we currently have eight member companies that operate in 11 markets uh, around the country. And our, our focus is really uh, life company correspondent lending and servicing. So the bulk of our business is in the life company space. Uh, obviously, we also, you know, as mortgage bankers, source whatever capital our clients need, whether it be CMBS or bank debt or, or GSE loans on multifamily. So we're involved in, in pretty much all the, the different capital uh, sources in the industry. But at the core of our business is really the kind of old line, traditional commercial mortgage banker where we're originating and servicing loans. So we generate about $3 billion a year in new loan production on average. And we currently have a servicing book of about $11.2 billion. Wow. So it, uh, it keeps us busy. And do you, do you, gen, yeah, that is that with 3 billion a year is just a healthy, uh, healthy pipeline. Do you um, focus in all property types or primarily certain ones over others or? We do. We, we, uh, the bulk of our business, you know, the last couple of years, obviously apartments are, have been a really hot property type. So multifamily and industrial have been, uh, you know, heavily weighted in our portfolio, but we also, you know, do office retail, um, self-storage has become a really popular property type oh, yeah. over the last few years. Um, so basically any income property that's a really kind of institutional grade, if you will, uh, is something that, that you know, we, we look at and work on. That's great. And those are really the sort of healthier property types, it seems like lately. I know it changes every, you know, every so often, right? But yes. for right now, those are the ones that seem to be uh, best. You talked about life company and other kinds of lending sources. I don't know. I think I've shared this with you, but for anybody that hasn't heard, when I first started out at Prudential in 2000, my job that when I got hired was to make the servicing the same for an uh, owner, whether they had the life company loan, a CMBS loan, a Fannie loan, a Freddie loan or anything, right? Now, I know today that's impossible, but I didn't know it then. And I took on that job and I tried my best to make CMBS and agency uh, service to clients feel the same as if they had a life company product. And anyway, long story short, that's when I realized the difference with CMBS and other products is there is nobody to just pick up the phone and talk to on the other end. And that's, that's the way that's what led me to create the firm. I'm in first service solution. So it was just funny when you talk about that life company is so different. Our, for the most part, um, your clients come to you knowing what kind of uh, lending source they prefer. Yeah, generally speaking, uh, you know, the majority of our clients are long-term borrowers. 
in some cases, they're, you know, now they're multi-generational. Um, so, you know, the, the type of client that fits our profile, if you will, are those that are interested in, you know, long-term ownership yeah. of commercial real estate assets, as opposed to a merchant builder or, uh, you know, somebody who's looking to, to buy uh, distressed assets and turn them and those sorts of things. Although we have clients that do some of that as well. Yeah. But our typical client is that long-term owner-operator, high net worth, um, you know, family or, or you know, institution. How were your owner, well, let me, I have a couple of things I want to ask you about. Let's first talk about interest rates. So how are interest rates affecting, and it probably sounds like a stupid question, but how are interest rates affecting um, your business, your pipeline over the, you know, over this year so far, at least? Sure. Well, if you if you look at kind of production across the country, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association, as you know, does uh, quarterly surveys on production. And if you just track their data, you can see that there was a dramatic fall off in third quarter and it accelerated into the fourth quarter as interest rates began to rise. And, you know, effectively, we saw rates double from the beginning of 2022 and, you know, into the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, several of, of my partners who've been in the business, you know, 30, 40 years have all made the same comment. And that is they've never seen activity decelerate as rapidly as it did, you know, late in 2022. And so we're continuing to see activity mm -hmm. be, you know, really slow. Borrowers who don't have to transact are on the sidelines. Um, and even those that need to transact because they have a loan maturing are uh, are having a rude awakening. And then mm -hmm. because of where rates are, uh, you know, coupled with just tighter underwriting because the lenders are more concerned about, you know, kind of what's going to happen with the economy. Um, you know, it's hard to get the dollars in a new loan to even pay off a 10 year maturing. Loan. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're wow. seeing that. Uh, result in borrowers, you know, having to bring more equity to the table, even to, you know, refinance existing loans. I hadn't heard that it was, uh, when you said it it was uh, worse this last year than a lot of people have seen in, in a long time in our industry. I, I had not, you know, being on the other side, I'm, I'm not in the origination side. I hadn't really realized it was that dramatic of an impact. Yeah, I mean, we saw our production, our second half production was down over 50% from what we did in the first half. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think our first quarter production is going to be down even, you know, even right. more. So it's, uh, and, and, you know, we were just at MBA Craft in San Diego, which as you know, is the you know, largest gathering of the year of, of all of the capital sources, mortgage bankers, life companies, CMBS originators, you know, Fannie, Freddie, HUD, everybody was there. Yeah. And the, the constant talk around the, the table was that, you know, no one has a very robust pipeline right now, other than perhaps HUD, their construction perm products become very, very popular, mm -hmm. uh, given the fact that the banks have pulled back so hard on construction lending. And then, you, uh, you know, Fannie continued and Freddie continue to, you know, see a, a, a better level of activity than the life companies. Um, again, just because of the property type and, and, and the, uh, you know, the terms that they're able to offer. And then CMBS is just effectively out of the business. 
Mm -hmm. uh, there's yeah. virtually no activity going on there in terms of new origination. Are you finding uh, the life companies for the most part, if you have a maturing loan, are they granting for the most part some extensions given the circumstances in the market? We haven't really gotten into the need for that yet. Mm -hmm. Um, as you know, life companies tend to be more willing uh, mm -hmm. to work with an established borrower uh, to try to, you know, resolve um, a, a maturity default, if you will, yeah. more so than what can be done in the CMBS world oh, yeah. because of the nature of the REMIC structure. But, uh, you know, we're just we're not really there yet. OK. And the other piece on the life company side is there's a lot of equity in these deals. So we don't really anticipate a significant increase in defaults because of that. Um, again, it's not like CMBS where you know you get a 65% LTVA piece and then you go lay on a you know substantial yeah. mess piece and run your leverage up to you know right. 80, 85%. Yeah. Right, right. Most or higher. Our deals, you know, our <laughs> yeah. average loan to value is probably closer to 60. Yeah. Wow. Um, I had a I did my one of the last podcasts I did. I had an economist on who was really, really amazing, Garrick Brown. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, one of the things I asked him was if, like I'm asking a lot of people, um, are do, and I'm not asking you this direct question, I'm getting to another question, but you know, I'm asking all these economists and people whether or not they think we're in a recession or getting going into one or whatever, and it's amazing the different views. I mean, you can get 25 different answers to that question. Right. And all, right. Yeah. And what he said, which I thought was really interesting, and I'd love to get your thoughts on whether this impacts people getting a new loan in your view, is he said the recession is not the thing to worry about in commercial real estate as much as the um, no session or slow session. So we're not quite in it. We're watching, you know, you know, do you follow what I'm saying? So do you find that to be, does that factor into people's, if they're not obligated to get a new loan right now, factor into people's thought process? Yeah, very much so. I think, you know, the thing we're seeing that's impeding new loan production the most is there's just very few sale transactions happening. And, and I think the investment sales, you know, is investment sales are down because, of this sort of standoff between buyers and sellers where the sellers have not come to terms yet with the fact that they're the price they're going to get for their property is substantially less because of the higher cost of debt uh, and equity cost is rising as well. Uh, and the buyers, you know, have come to the realization, Hey, I can't afford to pay what I could pay a year ago because of the higher cost of capital. And so, uh, you know, to me, that's the big risk for 2023 is that that standoff continues and we continue to see, a, you know, a dramatic slowdown in, in income property sales, uh, which our loan production, you know, pretty well tracks investment sales. So if the investment sale market stays down, sure. you know, our production is going to stay down. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and I think there's, it seems like there's nothing worse in making then making in uh, sorry when making a decision about whether to buy sell or get you know buy, uh, anything the worst thing people can be faced with is uncertainty right even if you know it's going down at least you know where it's going if it's going up you know where it's going but if you are just completely unsure what's going to happen 
it's it's almost paralyzing. Yeah, so I've always said, you know, if, you know, whether it's tax law changes or economic conditions, things that are totally Mm -hmm. out of the control of the real estate industry, if we just know what the rules are, you know, we'll figure out a way, you know, to to do business and make money. You know, I started my career leasing office space uh, in the early 80s when, you know, CPI was 12, 13, 14 percent. And, you know, people signed leases with annual CPI escalator clauses. Yeah, we were, you know, we were building new office buildings, you know, in Tampa with construction loans that were, you know, 18, 19 percent. Not funny. Um, I know. I remember that, too. Yeah. But then, you know, but our deals worked. We had institutional yeah. partners that were, you know, maybe putting in 40, 50 percent of the cost. Um, and so we were able to transact and, and make things happen. But it's because we sort of knew, you know, where right. we were yeah. uh, in the cycle. And I think right now, nobody really knows, you know, kind of where we are or what's coming. And so the fear of recession, you're right, is greater than the actual recession. Yeah, yeah. And and interest rates, I mean, I guess, um, so there's, so the things people are watching, I guess, is the recession, are we in it, are we not? Uh, interest rates, how are they going to change? And how does that impact my ability to do whatever I'm going to do for my, lo- my property? Um, and what do you think will be the telltale sign or the it's probably unfair question to ask you bob i'm just seeing if you have any thoughts yourself on what is the thing that's going to get people to go okay now i get it and i better hurry and do what i'm going to do or wait or whatever do you you have an idea on that yeah i think you know from all the economists that i follow and and like you i talk to a lot of people you know on a daily basis that are in various aspects of the economy um you know, I think until we get a clearer picture on the labor market in particular and get numbers that people actually have confidence in, it's going to be really difficult to to sort of get a vision of where we're headed, because obviously we're not going to have a recession without an increase in unemployment. And we're just not yeah. seeing that. Uh, but at the same time, we all know that the economy can't continue to grow at the level it's it's been growing uh, with interest rates, you know, as high as they are. I mean, the housing market is, has been, you know, hurt yeah. severely with the interest rate increases. Um, and so, right. you know, the consumer it would appear to be running out of cash given the dramatic, you know, rise in credit card debt through the end of last year. So, you know, my expectation is we're going to start to see a slowdown in spending, whether it's retail sales, uh, travel, leisure, uh, and all those sorts of things as we move deeper into 23 because of those factors. And then that in turn will start the, you know, kind of increased level of layoffs and slowdown, which, uh, you know, even if it doesn't lead to a recession, at least it will, will give us some idea of, okay, this is going to be the new normal. All right. You know, it's funny when I work, well, it's not funny, but uh, uh odd thing. When I work with um, owners that are struggling, for instance, uh, a lot of the business in my pipeline right now are office buildings where the debt is maturing in the next year or two, and there's tenants that expire in the next year or two or three, mm-hmm. and there's so much unknown, right? So the first thing I have to provide to the servicer to help them get an extension or anything is what is the value today 
what what's going to happen in the future? What are your projections? What do you think these tenants are going to do? <laughs> you know, how much capital is required to get there? And, you know, they kind of laugh at me, each owner, like, oh, how am I supposed to know all this? Right. But I can't give them any relief unless we can make some prediction. But what we're finding, unlike before, is it almost requires three runs of your projections. One is, you know, best case, middle and base case and worst case, because there's just no way to know, which is really, really odd. I mean, I find this to be the most, um, I don't know, the, the the hardest thing to predict, the hardest time in our industry to my in my lifetime so far to predict the future in what's going to happen with properties or anything. I don't know about yeah, you if you haven't. Yeah. yeah, the difficulty, you know, we see right now, obviously, office is front and center. And I just think we're going to, it's going to be another two or three years before we really see a stabilization yeah. of, you know, tenancy. So right. what is that occupancy number going to look like? Uh, again, because of the, you know, the length of leases and the fact that most companies haven't yet been able to figure out what yeah. their real needs yeah. are. That's right. Um, you know, I, I live in Nashville. We've got uh, you know, two half a million square foot office buildings that are uh, fully leased to Amazon. The second one's just being completed and they stopped the interior build out about four months ago mm -hmm. uh, and publicly announced and said, we've got to rethink how we're going to use this space before we can determine, you know, what sort of interior improvements we need. So, I mean, yeah. those are the kinds of things that are happening all over the country yeah. So I think it's going to be, you know, a significant amount of time before we can determine the future of office, you know, based on on all of this uncertainty. Right. With with occupancy. So, again, from a lender's perspective, you know, it's easy just to say that's an asset class. I'm just going to stay away. Yeah, from. that's right. But but those yeah. that have those loans on their books are going to yeah. are going to have to deal with it. And I, I think we're going right. to see you know, a lot of stress in that area before it's over with. And and from where you're sitting, you're already seeing it. The right, thing that surprised right. me is so many of the large institutional borrowers that are already, um, you know, giving the keys back to the lenders mm -hmm. or going into special servicing on really nice assets and, you know, right. Manhattan and other, you know, major urban urban cores yeah. where again they've gotten in trouble because their leverage levels are extremely mm -hmm. high and uh, their occupancies are in flux yeah we have one where the leverage originally we're working on the leverage originally was very reasonable and it's and so it was like i don't know 65 percent or something originally so it wasn't levered up but it's it's confronted with you know a maturing loan in the next couple of years and rolling tenancy and to your point you don't know what the tenants are going to do and so and it takes new capital to replace the ones that are leaving borrowers don't want to put new money in if i if i think i'm going to get foreclosed in 2 years at maturity i can't get a new loan and so i have to convince the servicer basically on my existing loan to give me more time but i can't convince them that i'm going to be able to pay them off then so it's it's really a predicament right. you know today for owners i no i um i'm working with a lot of them and and we're trying to figure out solutions and it's not easy it's like almost i i did a little 
uh, I don't know, a little message out on social media, but I said, it's almost like a, a Rubik's cube because you get one, I don't know if you're good at Rubik's cube, but I'm the worst. <laughs> That's I not get, one of my strong suits. <laughs> <laughs> I get one side looking really good. And then you look over and it's like, okay. And then you get the next side. Well, then the front side's all mixed up. Anyway, that's kind of what it's like with these office, this office dilemma. I mean, by the time you figure out your tenants, your loan doesn't match and you can't figure out what to do. So um, it's it's just a stressful time for sure, as you said. Well, you know, and you, you and I have spent a lot of time early on in the, uh, you know, COVID period with hotel deals. Yeah. Uh, you know, and now we're finally seeing some clarity there. Occupancy levels are mm-hmm. way back up. Revpar, you know, yep. has, has come back to pre-pandemic levels in in most cases. And so now, you know, all of a sudden we're beginning to to see some some capital flow back into those properties. Uh, and I think office is going to be the same. I think we're going to go through that same, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, head scratching period, whether it's 12 or 18 months uh, until we start to get some clarity, you know, and we are mm-hmm. getting some office deals done. So, you know, those that are low leverage or where, you know, a new property that has, uh, you know, a, a class A tenant roster uh, with, you know, best in class developer, you know, a location, all those sorts of things, you know, those deals are still able to be done. Although again, yeah. at, at lower leverage than, than they would have been. Uh, right. Right. You know, yeah, that's true. Rate increases. I, when I say no, no loans available, I, I should be clear. And I'm very, I'm very rarely dealing with, you know, class a, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't. Well, anyway, I'll leave it at that. So Anyway, well, the other thing um, I wanted to, to mm-hmm. say as well is, you know, we've seen retail go through this, you know, yeah. repositioning and really, you know, a lot of the weaker retailers have been, you know, shaken out of the market. Um, right. And so consequently, you know, we're seeing pretty good execution on on retail properties uh, because, again, I think lenders have gotten comfortable with the fact that there are, you know, certain retail services that are, you know, can't be duplicated. Uh, online, so, you know, mm-hmm. you can't outsource the the restaurants mm-hmm. and the you mm-hmm. know the nail place and the, right. you know the hair salon and those sorts of services, and so uh, you know retail has is has is, is is no longer um, you know the property type nobody wants to deal with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it so, moved to office again. There's you know we'll come out of this. It's you know yeah we'll we'll figure it out. Uh, as I said earlier, once we kind of know the rules. Yeah, that's right. We'll, well I'm sure, Bob, work. we have collectively been around long enough to know that as, as someone here in my office says, the sun will rise tomorrow morning and it will set again tomorrow night. And and everything, we it, it's a cycle and everything will eventually work itself out. And I mean, it's not like we're on a steady downhill thing. I mean, we we know that. So these these are, we're just in a um, uh, uh, uncertain times right now. And I think there's nothing, nothing further really to say other than that's really where we are, you know? Yeah. And on the positive but, side, yeah, you know, I've never seen more capital, you know, accumulated mm. and, and waiting or trying to invest in commercial real estate than we have today. And yeah. that's really been the case for the last several years. So there's, uh, you know, there's an enormous amount of capital that's available to be invested. The question is, what what's the return sure. that's going to attract that capital into the market? And it's right. kind of like a friend of mine explained to me years ago when I was first learning economics. 
Because he said, you know, you take a piece of paper and you pour some water on it and you make a depression, all the water runs to the low point. And that's the way capital is. Capital is going to flow mm. to where it can get the best risk adjusted return. And, you know, once real estate becomes mm. that, yeah, uh, you know, that it, it, asset class, then all the capital flows in. Now, likewise, it disappears just as quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, so. Right. Just like with our yeah. life company, you know, lenders, if they can, if they can get a better return in, you know, AAA or even down triple B corporate treasury, treasury bonds, you know, they're going to be invested in, you know, in the corporate bond market right. where they're going to be buying treasuries instead of making mortgages or to make a mortgage, they're going to want a bigger spread. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, you know, again, but as long as real estate can offer, you know, a, a good risk-adjusted return, you know, the capital's it's going to come back because it's out there looking for a home. That's right. That's a great way to a great positive outlook on that. Um, I I have really enjoyed our time to get today together, and I think there's a lot of uh, I don't know a lot of helpful information I think that we've that we share, you know, and that we, we we've talked about where we are in the market and what that does to owners. And you've also given a lot of really high points. Do you have any like parting word you would give to anybody listening um, before we, before we conclude today? Well, just, you know, my advice to, to borrowers, investors, whether they're, you know, you're looking to sell a property, buy a property or finance a property is, is pretty fundamental. Let's do your homework, you know, work mm -hmm. with a trusted professional that, knows your market, understands your asset type, uh, yeah. and, and has the, you know, the, the resources and the connection in the capital markets to find you the best execution, uh, because the capital markets are constantly shifting and, you know, the, your bank may be your best friend today and they may not return your phone mm -hmm. call tomorrow. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just the nature of the business. And so, you know, you really need a trusted professional to help guide you. You know, our business is very similar to yours, Ann, in that, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we see people that come to us that, you know, need advice and, and they need someone who is more than just a transaction broker, but who really is, uh, you know, who's going to roll up their sleeves and really understand, you know, what they need so they can go out and help them find the best right. solution, right. Absolutely. whatever that might be at the time. And if I guess the only thing to add to what you said is if anyone's getting into CMBS, um, uh, one of the things I really offer, I I'd advise and offer as a service is a quick review of the loan documents before you sign them. So at least you know what's in there, you know what things you might be able to get a little relief on and not on deal terms, of course, but on just language, clarifying right. some things, you know, um, any any intent that's embedded in the documents. So we, you know, it might not be clear, but our intentions are good. Well, that goes away when it gets securitized and you're dealing with other people. So the documents have to read very, very literally how you mean them. And so anyway, I just encourage people before getting a CMBS loan to let us do a quick review of your docs and, you know, make sure that you aren't getting into something you don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's critically important for, you know, the individual investor, those that maybe don't have the level of experience that say a large institutional investor does, you know, where they've got a cadre of, of lawyers who are able to, uh, you know, to give them that advice. Because, uh, you know, for most of us, 
um, you know, we just want to own an apartment building or own a retail center. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're, right. you know, we don't have that expertise that you offer. So yeah, I would echo yeah. that, that, you know, encourage people to, to seek out, uh, you know, your firm to get that advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, Bob. I really appreciate your time today and, um, uh, you know, it's been very helpful and we'll, um, Look forward to seeing each other again in the industry at some point in the future, I'm sure. Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Really appreciate the chance to chat with you. Thank you. You too.